Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? According to the chatter, you're doing awesome. So, so good to see you. Well, hey, welcome. So glad to have you here to worship with us today. If you're new and visiting for the very first time, maybe the second, third, and you've even had a chance to text the word welcome to the number on the screen, you can do that right now, 406-219-0314. Follow the prompts, and we would love to get to know you. If you're watching online, do the same thing. Uh, church is all about relationships. We say this every single week, but it's so important. Uh, relationship with God and a relationship with one another. If you're not on a serve team and if you're not in a life group, we wanna encourage you to do that. Uh, you can go to our website, lifepointmt.org slash serve slash life groups, and you can find all of that information for yourself. But a uh, great way to get plugged in and get connected. We are gonna dive in. I'm gonna ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 17 and put your finger there, and then go to Acts chapter two at the same time, because we're gonna be kind of in both uh, scriptures this morning, but we're really gonna be all over the place. I'm just gonna kind of warn you uh, from the very beginning. Uh, we're gonna be in lots of different passages this morning, but these are gonna be kind of the platform that we're gonna jump from this morning. We'll have the scriptures up on the screen if you don't have the word of God with you this morning, but uh, I, I'm gonna start with this. I'd be willing to bet that if we were to take a poll this morning and ask the crowd to kind of respond, and I'm gonna say don't respond, okay? Don't raise your hand, but if we were to say, hey, how many of you struggle with daily spiritual habits in your life, what would you say, right? I would bet the majority of us would raise our hand and say, man, it's a battle, it's a struggle, sometimes it's good, and a lot of times it's not so good. Like, it's a really big challenge to be in the Word of God, to develop spiritual habits in our lives, and to kind of keep them day after day after day. Let's be honest, it's not easy, right? We all agree with that, so we say amen, right? Amen, right? It's not easy, right? Why is that? Right, like why, why is it we have such a difficult time finding time to spend with the Lord, right? I think a lot of us would say a lot of things, maybe give a lot of reasons. I'm gonna share some of those reasons throughout this message this morning that, that we don't develop these habits, but a lot of us would say things like this, like I don't have enough time, right? Uh, I'm busy in life, I'm in a busy season, my family's busy, my career's busy, my work's busy, I mean, we're all busy. Like if we were to ask you, how are you doing? The first words out of your mouth would, you, would be this, I'm busy. I'm good, but I'm busy, right? We all say that, I say that all the time, right? And we often use that as an excuse for not spending time in God's word. Man, my schedule is just so full, I don't have time to develop spiritual habits in my life. That, that might be something you say, or, or we might say this, we might say, I really just don't have the desire. Like if we're honest, we would say, man, I just don't want to. I don't have this desire to be in God's word, to develop spiritual habits. It's not something I really wanna make time for. I'd rather spend my time on things I wanna do rather than the things I don't wanna do, right? If we're honest, we might say that, right? Can you relate maybe to any of those this morning? Well, there's a lot of reasons, right? There's a lot of reasons that we can make for not developing spiritual habits into our lives. I mean, just the fact that you're here this morning is a spiritual habit to come and to gather together with the saints of God to worship the God of heaven, the creator and the savior of our souls. We make a lot of reasons for not developing spiritual habits. But here's something I think that maybe it's like this overarching reason for a lot of us. Why do we not develop these habits? Why do we not spend time with God? I think we have this tendency to not have enough faith to believe that it makes a difference. 
that, that, that we often come to this conclusion, we may not have enough time, we may not want to, but really what it comes down to is we don't have faith to believe that it actually makes a difference in our lives. We don't have the faith to believe that it'll actually impact our lives for good, because if we did, we'd have no trouble making time for it, right? Because we make time for the things we believe in. We make time for the things that we know are gonna refuel us and recharge us and, and bless us and encourage us, and I mean, we make time for all kinds of things in life. We just don't believe that God's word and prayer and, and spending time meditating upon the deeper things in life really has an impact. You see, I, I believe that, that, that faith is the kicker this morning. When it comes to developing spiritual habits, do I really believe that this small habit daily consistent, consistently in my life can actually make a difference, the daily small steps? Well, I wanna welcome you all to our new sermon series called Mustard Seed Faith, the place the place where faith and spiritual habits intersect, that we would say faith is going to be the kicker for you to begin to develop these small spiritual habits in your life that you would actually believe over the course of the next seven weeks as we dig into some common and not so common spiritual habits that, that you would begin to believe that these things can actually make a difference in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, in your career, in everything you touch in life that are daily moments with God in prayer and study and all of the things we're gonna talk about can actually make a difference in our lives. A little bit of faith, mustard seed faith. Not a lot of faith, you might say like, I don't have a lot of faith this morning. Well, God says all you really need is a small amount of faith and we're gonna talk about that this morning but our hope for this series is to boost your faith a little bit is to encourage you to maybe just take one step. Maybe, maybe you're gonna take 10 steps and that's great, but we wanna encourage you to take one small step in the right direction to begin to foster and develop and boost your spiritual habits in your life. And so we're, we're gonna talk about some of these things over the course of the next seven weeks today and on. And we're gonna start in Matthew 17 because Matthew 17 is really gonna be this platform that we start from with this series, and, and, and I want you to read it together with me, and then I'll explain a few things so we understand the context here, because we're just jumping into verse 20, and it says this, Matthew 17, 20, he, Jesus said to them, he said, because of your little faith, right? You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. We're not gonna spend a ton of time here this morning, but, but I want you to understand the context here, that, that what's happening, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and his disciples are trying to do something of a spiritual nature, and they can't, and they don't understand why. Why isn't this working for me? Why, why, why don't I get something from this? Or whatever the case might be, but they're trying to, to cast out this demon from this young boy, and they can't do it. And they're like, why can't we do this, Jesus? Well, verse 20 is the answer to that question. That Jesus, the reason that you can't do this spiritual thing is because of your little faith. It's because you don't believe. You don't actually believe that it can happen. You see, I want you to know this morning that faith is a game changer, isn't it? Like, it doesn't matter if you're doing something grand, like casting a demon out of someone, right? Or reading the scriptures and gleaning something from the Holy Spirit of God or, or, or evangelizing or whatever the case might be. It doesn't matter if we're doing something great or something small. Faith 
is really the X factor in everything we do. Do I really believe that God can move in this way? You may have heard this before. It's a, a very pa- familiar passage of, of scripture in Hebrews eleven six. 6. says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we all would say amen to that, but we go day after day after day without expressing any amount of faith. But yet without faith, we can't even please God. And so it really comes down to this. Not how disciplined I am and how good I am about the daily habits do I actually believe that this matters. You know, so much of our Christianity and so much of our lives is all about whether or not we believe Jesus to be the person he is and says he is and that we actually trust him to make a difference in our lives. Do I trust him with my family? Do I trust him with my marriage? Do I trust him with my career and all of these decisions in life? And so we need faith for everything that we do in life. And we certainly need faith to believe that the daily small spiritual habits can actually make a difference in our lives. You know what Jesus says in Matthew 17? He says, you just need a little faith. A mustard seed is very small. It's not a very big seed. It's a very small seed. And Jesus says, you don't need all of this faith and this grand spiritual experience. You need just a little bit of faith. And when you have a little bit of faith, man, mountains move. The impossible happens. And some of you are here this morning and you would say, it's impossible for me to get to from where I am currently to where I want to be or where God wants me. That you would believe that lie that says, I can't be transformed into the likeness of Christ. I can't be holy. I can't walk away from this sin. I can't do this or that or whatever the case might be. But the reality is, is if you have enough faith, the impossible can happen, even developing spiritual habits in your life, in mine. That is our hope for you in this series, Mustard Seed Faith, just a little bit to do the impossible. And this morning, we're gonna talk about the habit of community. We're gonna talk about the habit of relationships. We're gonna talk about the need and how necessary it is for us to be in the habit of walking in deeper relationships, listen to me, beyond the Sunday morning experience. Right Beyond the 10 minutes before and the 10 minutes after and the how are you and how is your week and all of this superficial good things we talk about, but actually go beyond that and say, I have people that know me authentically. I have relationships that are genuine, that are rooted in Christ, that are rooted in this fellowship of Jesus and it moves me and it compels me and it provokes me to be more like him. Do you have that today? Most of us, if we're honest, would say, man, I don't, but I want it. What do I need to do to get there? And so we're gonna talk about that this morning, the habit of relationships. And so here's our bottom line this morning. One main thought we want you to key in on, and that is this, is that a shared life is better than an isolated life. Isn't that true? A shared life, you sharing your life, your experiences, the person that you know and you live is better than an isolated life keeping to yourself and not sharing your life with other people. Actually, this is part uh, of our mission here at LifePoint. We see it on our banners every single week. Hopefully you see it and hopefully you know it, right? That we want you to know life in Christ. We want you to live life in Christ and we want you to share the life you know and live with other people, with one another, right? And so this idea of sharing the life of Christ, it's not just evangelism. It's not just going to your neighbor or going to the person at the grocery store and sharing with them the message of hope and the message of life. It's sharing the experiences and the encounters that you have with Jesus with the people around you. It's a shared life. 
And we're gonna talk about that very thing this morning, but it means that we are constantly doing life together. No one should do life alone. Right? No one should walk through life alone. We should walk together through life, and in doing so, we show the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Right? By your love for one another, will they know that you're my disciples, is what the scriptures say. But we are to, we're to place ourselves in these situations where we know other people and we are known by other people. We're actually making the choice to intentionally be involved in one another's lives to the point where we can make a difference in someone else's life. Uh, and so, the Bible says we're actually not to forsake that, right? Many of you probably have heard this and know this, Hebrews 10, 25 says we shouldn't forsake that. We shouldn't walk away from that. We shouldn't, you know, kind of reject that idea of gathering as the saints of God, the people of God. We shouldn't forsake, verse 25, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the day? The day of Christ, the day of his return. Some of you are like, come, come now, Jesus, right? Come now, the world is dark, it's evil, come now. And as we see that day approaching, we shouldn't forsake the gathering and the assembling so that we can encourage one another uh, every single day. We should actually be in the habit of doing this. And listen, that doesn't mean, just like so you know, uh, that doesn't mean that you never miss a Sunday and pastor has an attendance record that he's like, you weren't here. Like, you probably haven't gotten that call from me and guess what, you will never get that call from me, right? That doesn't mean you never miss a Sunday. It just means what's the habit of your life, right? What's the habit of our lives? that we are consistent in doing life with other believers on, on, a, on a consistent basis. Well, let me show you a few other examples, and I'm just gonna kind of mention these. We'll be in Acts 2 in, in various scriptures, and I'm gonna briefly mention these because I, I wanna set this tone and, and for you to understand that the church is meant to be together. That the church isn't just like this gathering where you listen to me spit and froth and, and whatever on stage for 45 minutes. It's more than that. That we do life together. We walk, we know one another, and we're actually encouraging one another to walk in the likeness of Christ. So I'm just gonna mention these, but in Acts chapter two, in verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the day when the Holy Spirit was going to indwell into the saints, into the believers, Jesus said, wait, in Jerusalem, that day will come, and that day came here in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, notice this, with all with one accord in one place. And what I want you to see and understand that they were together in one place. So we need community. That this is not about this individualistic type, you know, relationship or religion. This is all about relationships. And so they were together, it says. This faithful group of men and women who followed and believed in Jesus, right? The apostles, the disciples. At this time, there's 120 of them. 120 of them are gathering together for this reason. Jesus said in, in Acts chapter one and verse four, being assembled together with them, this is before his ascension, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father. That's what they're doing in chapter two. The promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit that would come and indwell them and give them power to walk and minister successfully for God every single day, right? Acts two, but jump, jump ahead. And let's read together Acts chapter two in verses 41 through 47. We're just gonna like key in on some phrases here. There's so much we could, we could talk about here, but we're gonna just key in on some important phrases. But in verse 41, notice it with me, it's on the screen. It says, so those who received his word were baptized. 
And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So in one day, they go from 120 to over 3,000 people. That's like explosive church growth, right? Everybody wants to know, like, how do you do that? Like, how does that happen, you know, today, right? Well, it happened then, and they devoted, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, all these spiritual habits. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, catch this, were what? together. They were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. A few key phrases here. There's a lot going on, but let me just simplify this. In verse 41, it says that Jesus added to them when you look at scripture and you look at the idea of being part of a church, church is community, church is fellowship, church is commitment. Everyone's like, I don't like commitment. Don't say commitment. Don't say membership, right? Nobody likes that, right? But you see that here. You see commitment, right? This is, this is us. If you were to talk to those people in that, in, during that time, they're like, this is my, this is my family. This is my team, this is the people I, I do life with together. Like they leaned upon one another, they became part of the church team Jesus, right? Verse 42, it says they continued, not individuals continued, but they continued together. In verse 44, it says all that believed were together. In verse 46, and they continuing with one accord in the temple. Catch this, this wasn't an individualistic type thing. This was them saying no one is meant to live in isolation. That the church is a family and a body of Christ and we're doing life together. Do you have that this morning? Is that something that you would say, man, I don't just come to church and leave, I have community, I have fellowship, I have friends and people in my life that extends beyond the pleasantries where people ask how are you and what is going on in your life and how can I walk with you in the challenges and how can I share my challenges and be authentic with you? Do you have that today? See, a shared life is better than an isolated life. God has designed us for relationships. But let's be honest and let's, get, let's clear this because you're all thinking this, relationships aren't easy, right? Relationships are messy. Relationships are difficult. Relationships are things that we're like, man, I, if we're honest, we would say there's probably some strained relationships in our lives right now, maybe with a friend, a coworker, a family member, maybe even someone at church. Oh, could it be? Some of you are like, the worst relationships have been my church relationships. The most wounded relationships have been part of the church. Some of you are here and you feel that tension because you've been wounded greatly by Christians. And most of us would say this, never again. Never again will I open myself up to those kinds of experiences. And so relationships are a challenge and they're difficult, and they can be exhausting, and there's a lot of tension involved in relationships. And so what I'm gonna do today is I wanna show you why you need to lean back into relationships. I wanna show you maybe just some biblical reasons why we should lean back in, even though it's hard, and we've been wounded, and we've been hurt, and we don't like it, and it's out of our comfort zone. I'm gonna give you some biblical reasons why I think you need to lean in daily, consistently, however it looks, that you have people in your life 
that you could be authentic with and genuine with when it comes to your relationship with Christ. But let me just take a few minutes to give you some common reasons why we may not get involved. Because I think there's a lot of reasons that, that we would say, well, pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know how hard it's been for me. You don't know, you've not been in my shoes, and so you don't really know. And so I wanna, I wanna talk about some of these common reasons we may not get involved, and then I wanna give you permission to kinda wad it up and throw it in the trash today. Be like, let's just be done with that. Because the more that we lean into the reasons and excuses, and the more isolated we are as Christians, the less effective we are, the more depressed we are, uh, the, the more that we allow Satan to win in our lives when we isolate ourselves, because that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep you, is isolated and unknown by other people. And so what are some reasons? Let me, let me just run through these really quick, just for time's sake, and we'll get to some, some scripture this morning. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, but reason number one, why don't we get involved? We don't think we need other Christians. Right, we don't think we need other people. This is kind of like the Lone Ranger mentality. I don't need other people. If you're a Montanan, raise your hand, born and bred in Montana, come on. Yeah, we're like, I'm Montanan. Like, rest of y'all are not locals. Like, I am not a, I'm not a local. Like, I've been here for over 20 years. Can I please claim Montana as home, right? 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 Everybody else that just moved here is like, yes, please. Like, just change your plates really quick. Like, that's all I just say. Like, change your plates really, really quick, right? But we're kind of that way in Montana, right? Like, I, we just like, you know, independent mentality. I don't need other Christians. I don't need other people in my life. And I think for a lot of us, we've conditioned to believe that lie that we're better off alone. Yet the wisest man in all the, all the world, Solomon says, no, you're not. Right? Two are better, right? Two are better than one, right? I, I don't need other Christians. Solomon says, yeah, you do. Yeah, you actually do. Hebrews uh, goes on in chapter 10 and verses 24 through 25. Let us, the church, right? It's meant to be a community. Let us together. What are we to do? Uh, he says this in verse 24. I lost my place. We are to consider one another. We're to consider the people around us. To do what? To provoke one another unto love and to good works. You cannot do that in isolation. Uh, we're so glad that you're watching online if you're at home, but you cannot do that behind a screen. You cannot do that. Listen, one time out of three months in, in attendance of church, you cannot do that if you're not in the consistent habit of, of gathering and being in relationships to our better. We think we don't need people when we actually do. Here's another reason. We would say this, I'm not outgoing or I'm shy. Many of you don't know this about me, but I am an introverted extrovert. You're like, what the heck is that? I don't even know. I'm still trying to figure myself out at 44 years old. I don't know who I am, um, but I'm an introverted extrovert. And what that means is that I can be very extroverted, but I can also be, put me on an ice shack all by myself, just doing this. I can do that for hours and look at a little screen that says there's fish there, but they're not biting my jig. Like, <laughs> like why? Why do you like to do that? Because I need me time, <laughs> right? I'm an extroverted introvert. That's my personality. But guess what? That's not an excuse. Right, can I just, can I be honest with you this morning? I get it that you're shy. I get it that it's hard for you to meet new people, but it is a lame excuse for us to miss out on God's best. And that's relationships. And listen, there's people just like you who need someone like you to walk beside them in life and say, I know you. 
and I know your struggles, and I know the hardships that you face in a big crowd and being around people, and so I wanna walk with you, right? We say, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not outgoing and I'm shy. Not a great excuse. Reason number three, we'd say this, I'm fearful. I'm fearful of people seeing the real me. Of all the places in the world where we take off the mask and the facade of, of life, it ought to be the church. Right? This ought to be the place where we say, hey, I am a broken sinner, I am messed up, I don't have it all together, but what do we do? We do the opposite. Look at me, I got my life all together. If you have that perception, you have the wrong perception. Because there's not a person in this room, including the person on this stage, who has life figured out. Right? We're all broken sinners. And so this fear of being known uh, by other people, we ought to release that and say, you know what? That's, that's, that's not the way we should live. We need to live authentically and genuinely. And so being fearful isn't a great reason. Here's another uh, reason. Our past experiences, and we already kind of talked about this, this idea of hurt and wounds in relationships, especially in, ch- in the church. And again, we would say, because I have wounds and because someone in the church hurt me or harmed me or whatever the case might be, we would say, no more, I will never let that happen again. And God says, you're missing out. You're missing out on what I've designed and what's best for you. And here's the last reason, is that we would just say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy for other people, right? Uh, Can I say something to you in love? If not now, when? Right, the older I get, like things don't slow down. Right, things just like speed up and get harder and more chaotic and more difficult. And we're like, oh, when I'm here, this phase in life, like that's a lie, that's not even true. Like at least that's been my experience. Right, the older I get, the older my kids get, it just kind of, it just speeds up, it gets faster. More things vie for my time and so this I'm too busy uh, isn't a great excuse. We need more margin for God in our lives, amen? We need some space in our lives, not only for our family, for God, for our family, but for other people. Uh, Pastor Adam's gonna talk about that very thing next week and the idea of Sabbath, the idea of rest, the idea of uh, being in the habit of building rest into our lives so that we have some margin to hear from God and to, and to invest that into the lives of other people, right? And so this, I'm too busy, isn't a great excuse. And so let me give you some biblical reasons Why does God want you in relationships? Why does God want you to go past this Sunday morning experience and dive a little bit deeper into community, into into this, this thing called the body of Christ? Well, here's the first reason, and that is this, is that God, first of all, models community for us, does he not? That God is actually in a relationship himself. He has existed in a relationship from the very beginning of time, before it, and he will continue after it. God is a triune God. Right? Notice in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, real basic, real foundational, but yet so important. God himself dwells in community. It says in verse 26 of chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image. Circle the word our, encircle the word us. After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and so on and so forth. Did you notice those phrases? Let us in our, after our likeness. What does that say about God? Remember, when we open the scriptures, what should we be looking for? Who is God, and what does he want to reveal about himself to me, right? God's like, hey, I live in a relationship. 
I live uh, as a triune God, three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they're in perfect harmony together. They are three essence in one. At least that's what my Bible college uh, professors told me is the definition of the triune God, and I'm so like, I don't quite understand it, God, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe it, right? You exist in three persons. You exist in this relationship. You exist in community, and here's the kicker. God designed you and I in his image. And so if God exists in relationship, in community, and he models that for us, then we're to live in community, right? We're to, we're to, we're to live in a constant relationship. Uh, if he created us in his image, then we're created for relationships just like God is, right? And so here's the thing, your relationships have to go deeper. Your relationships have to go deeper than just a Sunday morning kind of experience. It's the design of God. We're wired for relationships. Here's the second thing as we go on this morning is that this is that uh, isolation isn't really good for anyone. Why should you lean into relationships? Why should you be in the habit of saying, you know what, I need the people around me. I need to have stronger, deeper, authentic, genuine kind of relationships. Well, understand isolation really isn't good for anyone. It's not not been designed for you and I to live this way. Genesis chapter two, again, I told you we'd be in all kinds of scriptures and we'll continue to do that. But in Genesis chapter two and verse 18, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good. And we ought to stop there. Because anytime God says something is not good, we ought to be like, whoa, what is not good? Right, because everything from Genesis chapter one to this point has been good, good, and very good. But now God stops and says, this is not good, right? And what is not good, and every man in the room ought to say amen to this, it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. And so God creates Eve. All the men, thank you, right? (laughs) Come on, right? Right? That was a good call, God. Thank you for that call, right? I'm super thankful for that. Uh, Because we're not meant to live alone. But this extends, you might be here and you'll be like, but I'm single, and I'm not in a relationship, and I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me. Like, God's will, God's perfect is that I'm married. That's not true. That God has a plan for your singleness. The reality and the the teaching overall is this idea that we need to walk through life with other people, that we need relationships. In fact, Paul would talk about that very thing, about that singleness that you might be living in right now and saying, hey, you know what? It's good if you're gonna be married. It's wonderful. It's great that you're gonna take that step, but I wish everyone was like me because your devotion is holy and completely to the Lord, first and foremost. If you're single this morning, your devotion is first to the Lord. If you're married this morning, your devotion is first to the Lord, Right? We mix that up so much, but relationships are better when we walk through life together. Solomon, again, says two are better than one, right? Uh, and, And so you need godly relationships. You cannot live this isolated life and think, all I need is the lake and Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I I can worship him wherever, and I don't need other people in life. Listen, isolation is not good, it's not healthy, and you are not designed to live in isolation. You need relationships, godly relationships, and so we're wired for this community, and we're wired to be in community with God, and we're wired to be in community with other Christians as well. Here's another reason that we need to be in community as we move on, I got just two more, and that is this, is that together, together we move the mission forward, amen? 
We have a mission. Let me remind you this morning, Jesus, before he left this earth, said, hey, here's the mission, just in case it's not clear and you're confused about it. The, the mission is the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things, whatever I've commanded you, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have a mission. And together, together, we move the mission forward better than we could alone. Isn't that true? Uh, it, it, we move the mission forward better together. In fact, one of the things that we say often here at LifePoint is this, is that everyone serving is better than someone serving. Isn't that true, right? Everyone serving together is better than just someone serving. This whole idea of like, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work in church. I reject that. That's not the way it should be. We should push back on that and say, man, everyone can serve and everyone should serve and bless the body of Christ because you have something to give. You have gifts and passions and talents. Maybe you just smile. Man, we need you to smile to break down those barriers that all of us walk into church with thinking, what is gonna happen here? Like, this past, like front row, I warn you, I might spit. Like, it's just like, you're in the spit row. Like, what's gonna happen, right? We all have these fears of walking into church, and guess what your smile does? It brings down our guard. It makes us feel welcome, right? That matters, and so you have giftings, and everyone is better than someone. Listen to what Solomon says. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their toil. They have a good reward. What is, what is a reward? It's the wage or return on the investment being made. Like, we're doing something, and we want a, a return. We want a reward is what, what Solomon is, is saying, and we can accomplish more together than we can alone, and that's true of all kinds of things in life. Doesn't matter what you touch and what arena of life you're in, it matters that we do things together, the team, right? And it certainly, it certainly matters in the church as well, that we can accomplish more uh, together. More people can accomplish more together for the kingdom of God. Here's an interesting verse on Leviticus. I'm actually reading through Leviticus right now, and you're just like, when can I get through Leviticus, right? You're like, Jesus, I, I don't want to get through Leviticus, but there's so much in there. Like if you open your eyes and open your ears, you like learn so much about who God is uh, in, in, in his relationship with the nation of Israel. But in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse eight, God makes a promise to Israel, not to us, but to Israel. And he says this, he says in, in chapter 26, verse eight, five of you shall chase a hundred, and then notice this, a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. That's kind of cool. Five chase 100, and 100 chase 10,000. What's the idea here? You can accomplish more with God. When, when more of us work together than you can alone. And, and that is a principle that you see all throughout scripture. And so we accomplish more together than we can alone. But let me give you one last reason this morning that you need to go deeper. That you need to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. That you need to kind of be provoked a little bit to go a little bit deeper and know people. It doesn't mean you know everyone. Listen, you can't know everyone in this room. You won't. That's okay. Like you can release that. Release you from having to know everyone in this room. Okay? But you can know some people. You can have relationships that go deeper with five or six people that you speak life into and they speak life into you and encourage you and walk with you and help you in life. And so that really is the, the last thing that we're gonna talk about this morning is that relationships have the ability to make you better. Most of us probably can look back on our lives and say, I am here because there was a person in my life who dared and had the courage to speak the gospel to me. 
Uh, They dared to walk with me. They had the courage to share with me who Jesus is and the difference that he can make in in my life. And and, and I'm here today because of that person. Maybe you're here and and you're at the stage in your life because someone had the courage to maybe call you out on your sin and say, man, don't live this way. Don't walk down this road. That's a road of destruction. This is a path of life. And they, they walked with you and you would say, I'm here because of someone. Relationships, they have the ability to make you and I better. Let me give you some passages to write down and think about. There's all kinds of passages we could talk about, but Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise, guess what becomes wise? You want wisdom, you want discernment, you want to know how to make the right choices in your life, walk with wise people. Find the people who are godly and and, and are seeking to be godly and seeking to be more like Jesus, and you will become wise. But the flip side is that the companion of fools will suffer harm. Man, walk with the wise, you become wise, but walk with fools, it's going to cost you something. And every single one of us can raise our hand and be like, oh yeah, yeah, it did. Like, I've lived that, and I know what that's like to walk with fools, and I suffer the harm today in my life because of it. Here's another one, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You're made to to make a difference in the lives of other people. You're you're, You're to be able to sharpen and encourage and have a positive impact and godly influence on the lives of other people, but what do we do? We isolate ourselves. I don't need other people. Or I've done that, I've been there, I've done that. And now I don't need that anymore. It's not true. Your, your experiences in life, if you're older, right, there, are, there is a younger generation who is thirsting for the wisdom that you have. They don't want you to isolate yourself with, with just your age group. Like They are so longing to be part of your, your life because they know you've walked there and they want to understand, how do I live this life? How do I parent? How do I be a man in this day and age? How do I successfully lead a business and, and have a career and all of these things? You've walked before them and they need you. They need you in their lives. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Here's another verse that kind of, again, flips the coin, so to speak. I'll give you just two more. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You want to ruin your life and ruin your morality? Hang out with the wrong crowd. Like, that's not just a message for teenagers, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd in high school. We do the same thing. We bring influences into our lives and people into our lives that cause us to make poor decisions in life. In fact, Jesus would say this one last one, Matthew 24, 4. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. Could someone actually lead me astray? Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. You're like, oh, I'm older. That could not happen. Yeah, it could. See that no one leads you astray. Here's the truth. People... People can have a great influence over who you are, the kind of person you are. And I don't know about you, but I want people uh, who are striving to honor God. I don't want people who think they're perfect and have their life all together. I don't want people like that in my life because I know it's not true. I want people who are striving to honor God, who are genuine and honest about who they are and their struggles, to have an influence on my life. People that that we can walk alongside one another. I want people who are seeking to live for Christ, seeking to be conformed into his image. They're not perfect people, but they're godly, humble people. Don't you want to have people like that in your life? Listen, relationships like that have the ability to strengthen us. They have the ability to cause us to walk closer, to develop spiritual habits 
to, to ask us, man, like, how are you in this, this walk with Jesus because I'm failing and I need some help? Let's walk together because I've been there. Let's go arm in arm because I know what it's like because I've been through the valleys. I've been to the top and I've been to the valley and I will continue to be that way. And so let's walk arm in arm. Listen, relationships can strengthen us. We're not meant to live alone. In, in, in kind of the, as you go back to Acts 2, I encourage you to just go back and look at it for yourself. These men realized something that's very difficult to admit. I need people. I need the messiness, the brokenness, the chaos, the hardships, the exhaustion, the tension. I, I need it. As hard and as difficult as it is, we need this. And the early church, man, they stuck together in the hardships and in the challenges of life through the thick and through the thin. And guess what? You need that too. You need that too this morning. But listen, here's the thing. It just can't happen on a Sunday morning as you look at the back of your neighbor's head for 45 minutes, right? It can't happen that way. It's got to go deeper. It's got to go deeper. And so, listen, I'm going to encourage you to do one thing, and it's an easy thing to, to say. It's a much more difficult thing to do is that you would take a risk and join a life group. You know, so much of who we are as a church is taking a step and going deeper in relationships. Let me just tell you, this is not the fix-all be-all. Like, like, our hope for you in life groups is not that, that, like, this is the program, and if you get involved in this, your life will be drastically altered. That's not true. Nine weeks is not a long time for that to happen. Our goal is to spark it because we can't do everything for you. We can't develop programs and all of these things for you to be involved in and say, like, if you're involved in our programs, all of this is going to change in your life. No, it's the spark that hopefully influences you to say, wow, I know some people. And now we hang out consistently. And I have people who know me, and I know them, and we encourage one another. That is the hope and the goal of life groups for nine weeks, is that you begin to develop relationships with people. We have a few groups that are open still, that have some room. Uh, we have uh, some groups that are full, but if we can make room, we'll make room. Maybe some of you this morning are like, you know what, I need to take a step, and I need to facilitate a group and open my home and have people into my home to, to develop that kind of community. We would love to talk to you. You can talk to Pastor Adam and have a conversation with him about how to do that, but listen, you can't afford to not be in relationships like this because a shared life is better than living in isolation, an isolated life. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come up as we get ready to close this morning. A shared life is better than an isolated life. Do you have that shared life experience this morning? Do you have relationships? Do you have community? Are you in the habit of developing this, this spiritual habit of being a community with other believers who are influencing you and you're influencing them to be more, more like Christ. Listen, if you don't, you need to take a step. If you don't, you need a little mustard seed faith. You need a little faith to believe that this can actually make a difference in my life, that it can impact my family, that it can impact my walk with Christ, the impact, my parenting, my marriage, everything we touch is impacted by the people that are around us, the relationships that we pursue. This is God's design. Don't forsake it. Don't forsake it just because it's hard and difficult, and it doesn't always work out. It's God's best, and it's where God wants to grow us through these habits of consistently walking in them. God, this morning, we're so grateful 
that you've given, given us this, this thing called the body of Christ, the church. God, it's messy, it's broken, it's hard. We don't always want to be a part of it. But God, we recognize that it's your design and it's your best. God, help us to lean in. Help us to put ourselves out there and to walk with other Christians, young, old, alike, that we might encourage and provoke one another into love and to good works, just as the scriptures say. God, help us this morning over the next seven weeks to learn, to, to, to develop some of these habits, maybe not all of them, but maybe some of them, that we would say, I'm gonna lean into this. I'm gonna lean into this for maybe just nine weeks. I'm gonna see what God's gonna do in my life through the habit of community and fellowship with the body of Christ. We pray in Christ's precious name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?